We don't have to sing. Let's not. Oh, hello, gentle listener. Welcome to Hot Drinks. Before... I'm fucking drunk. God damn it. Like and subscribe. Hello. Oh, hi, Sister Twain. Hi, Brother Coffee. How are you? I am. I mean, that's the most loaded question <laughs> on earth right now. I am. I don't know if we should get into that yet. We're here. We're here. Let's it, just say we're here. And then we'll, get, we'll get, then we'll get into how we are. Yes. Sounds great. Here we oh. are. Hot drinks. Welcome. Hot drinks is a podcast. It is. We were. We record it, and you put things in your ear holes, and you listen to it. <laughs> or more, more, more accurately, lately, we don't record it. It's another, <laughs> another way you can look at that. Um, I'm Brother Jack Coffee. I'm one of your hosts. I am a. Uh, I don't. Know. I I can't think of anything funny to introduce myself with. I didn't oh. prepare. I didn't prepare anything. I'll introduce you. Okay. You I'm are... ready for tourist season. You. What? I'm ready for tourist season. Um, tell me about tourist season. Well, I only know um, what I read about tourist season as it relates to Gemini's because I'm a Gemini. Okay. And I'm like probably the wrong person to talk about this because I don't, I'm a very, very baby astrologer. <laughs> but do you, do you want me to read you what I read about tourist season for Gemini's or is that really boring? Let's hear it. Why don't you introduce yourself while I'm finding it? Because I got to pull it up again. I am Latter-day Twaint. I am a Libra sun, Capricorn moon, Aquarius rising. And I heard recently that uh, moon and Capricorn is not great. (laughs) Did your sister tell you that? Well, she sent me a thing that told me that. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, did you find it? Yeah, I did. So this is this is from uh, Chani Nichols, who's Nichols or Nicholas? Nicholas. Anyway, she's a famous astrologer and has a book and everything. Um, okay, so I'll just read you a couple lines. So this is the horoscope for Gemini's for the Taurus season, which just began yesterday, I think, with the new moon. Mm-hmm. Um, when in doubt, I'll go deeper. When I grow restless, I'll practice stillness. When I start seeking out the approval of others, I'll come back to myself. I'll use this time to watch how I tend to reach for distractions when I'm afraid of feeling emotion. I'll use this time to get more intimate with my needs, nuances, and hard-to-reach places. Um, As this world goes through extraordinary changes, unexpected emotions rise to the surface. What I witness on a collective level impacts me on a personal one. I know that there is a mirroring happen. I know that when life ceases to exist in the same ways externally, it's time to get more familiar with how it is occurring internally. Um, This moment is its own kind of therapy. The word therapy comes from the Greek word therapia, meaning healing, awaiting on service, These quiet moments can be spent waiting on the parts of myself and my life that never get the benefit of my time and attention. These days can be spent in service of what has suffered from my own neglect. These days can be spent but never refunded, so I make sure to spend them with intention. Oh. Fuck me up, Chani. So, okay, what unexpected emotion has arisen for you? Do you have a name for an unexpected emotion? I mean, I don't think any emotions are unexpected at this point in my life. I think they're all... (laughs) 
they're all very expected and very messed up. Well, let's we I don't want to delve right into that. That's a little that's a little heavy. So <laughs> we we are back. We are going to do part two of our Q&A episode that we did last time, which was about a week and a half ago. Uh-huh. Um, and we're going to talk about some changes that are going to be happening for the next little bit. Yeah. So should we just jump right into that, into the women's work? Sure, we can jump into women's work. And I'll, and I will segue into women's work by, by reading a very short blurb about what tourist season means for all of us. Oh, great. And it's an incredibly sensual time of year. I feel sensual. Not sensual as in sexual, but it's oh. sensual as in your five senses will be incredibly heightened. Okay. Ice cream is even tastier. Your favorite candle somehow smells better. Taurus is an earth sign, meaning it's concerned primarily with the tangible world around you. It doesn't focus so much on being emotional like water signs. Do you know if Gemini is water or air? Gemini is an air sign. Oh, okay. Or socializing with others like air signs. So us. Yes. Which is good because uh, we can't focus on socializing. No. So. We're not socializing. Super. Um, women, Other women's work. So that's enough about astrology. About, the, about astrology that <laughs> neither one of us really know all that much about. Just a little bit. <laughs> Just enough to sound stupid. Yep. So, um, so how are you? What's going on? What's happening in your life? How's your quarantine? So I have, um, like many of us, had some weird moments of like, okay, wow, um, I'm feeling incredible anxiety today. Mm-hmm. I don't know what triggered it, except for the fact that we're going through an unprecedented time. So let's chalk it up to that. Work right. through it. Um, eat more, drink more, sleep more. Right. Whatever. And then uh, the past couple of days, not today, but the previous two days were really heightened for me in that regard. Uh huh. And on top of that, compounding it. And if you, um, look at my stories on my personal Instagram. You've already heard about this. Um, But compounding that anxiety, the the regular old pandemic anxiety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Compounding it was the fact that my daughter, my oldest child, turned the age that I was when I gave birth to her. So Uh 22. Right. And not only is 22 a baby. Right. Right. Um. You know, it, I had this thought as I was um, kind of trying to work through what the fuck is going on with me yesterday. I had this thought and it just like presented itself to me. What if my daughter, Lil Twaint, had a child in her 22nd year? Right. And I felt like I was drowning in a literal ocean tidal wave of re-traumatization because that time of my life was extremely traumatic. I was right. trying to reconcile being married to a gay man and not understanding why I wasn't happy because I was living the gospel and I was right. supposed to be happy no matter what. Um, and then becoming a mother and then 
yada, 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 yada. Right. And I think you made the point in your Instagram story that it wasn't, it wasn't motherhood or birth necessarily that caused that trauma. It wasn't giving birth to her, but it was that, I mean, that was part of it, I'm sure, right? <clears throat> Who isn't traumatized by pushing a human out of their body? Well, I, I haven't ever done it, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but no, yeah, um, not necessarily the fact that I gave birth at 22, but the fact that I became a mother. Right. In a shit show of a marriage. Right. In a shit show of a religious culture. Right. And it was yet one more thing that was like supposed to make you happy or supposed to fulfill you or bring you one step closer. And it it wasn't. Right. And I think I identify that time of my life as the beginning of a fast train to crazy town. Right. Yeah. So. So anyway, today I, I, after sleeping and taking a nap, I didn't feel rested because I had that emotional hangover as if I had been crying all day yesterday. Yeah. But yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't even cry at all yesterday. Yeah. I just had the complete physical exhaustion from intense, crazy, acute emotion. Um, so today I've just been like, I felt like, like shit. Yeah. So um, that's, that's one of the things that's been the most surprising for me about quarantine is you, one would think that you're not really doing anything all day. So you shouldn't, you should be fine. You shouldn't be exhausted, but I am exhausted all, all the time. (laughs) Exactly. I had to, I had a zoom call today for work and it was two hours long, which again, I'm literally sitting on a chair looking at a screen for two hours. Like, (laughs) Not that big of a deal, but when it ended, I was ready. To, I was so dead. I was so yeah. exhausted. So, right. yeah. yeah. I, I think that's similar to how driving long distances makes us really physically exhausted. We're just sitting there, but a long distance drive, we have to be very aware. And there's a lot of anxiety yeah. around having to be so aware every second of those hours that you're driving that long distance. And yeah, I think it's, it's just the same. Yeah. So, well, I have also been, you know, not having the best time. <laughs> I don't have a specific, you know, kind of traumatic instance like like you did. <clears throat> but I just, I have days that are great and I have days that are really, really, really hard. Um, and part of that is, you know, parenting and doing all the homeschool and all of that stuff that so many parents are dealing with and it's so stressful and you know, we're just trying to get our kids to like pass their classes so we don't have to redo them next year. And it's, you know, it's a nightmare. Um, And then a lot of it is just emotional and my own bullshit, you know? Um, I had kind of a traumatic experience with therapy this week that I don't really want to get into in specific details. I've talked to a couple friends about it, but just that sort of like sent me spiraling and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, so anyway... (laughs) Things have been great. (laughs) So we, you know, we were going to record on Sunday, um, which is when we normally record Sunday night. And then, um, and And here we are on Thursday. Right. And I messaged you Sunday night and I was just like, Hey, I've got my kids. Like, I just can't get like my head on straight to do this, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, Let's do it tomorrow night. And then 
And then basically every night we kind of had some version of that same conversation where one of us would kind of disappear or, or say, I can't do it tonight or whatever. Yeah. So, and we received many kind and I don't want to say not kind because I know they all came from place of love, but many messages that were like, where the hell is my new episode? I need a new episode. And, you know, you know, we definitely hear that. We were a little stressed out trying to get, you know, we wanted to get the stuff to the people. (laughs) So here we are. So we're recording. We're going to do our Q&A episode, but we have been discussing and we are going to just pump the brakes on the podcast a little bit. um, And we're going to be shooting for one episode every two weeks right now. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. For the unseen future. Like just until uh, you and I feel some semblance of, I don't want to say normalcy because every time I say that, I think, Will things ever really be normal? Yeah, yeah. Normalcy might be an illusion and a lie. But just more of a uh, an emotional equilibrium because um, we're not in our normal. Yeah. And we need to honor that. And uh, this week has proven that that we do need to honor that. Yeah. So every couple weeks. And I think part of it too, like part of it is for sure we need to be in a place where you know we can emotionally you know do the podcast and whatever but i think part of it too is like we feel a real sense of obligation to you guys to deliver like a good episode that's funny and that's entertaining and that makes you think and that you know whatever and i think if we are trying to kind of force ourselves to record an episode you know based on a calendar rather than based on a oh we've got this really great thing we want to talk about or you know, or whatever, then I think it just makes it, you know, then my fear is that it will not be, we won't be producing our best quality work, you know? Right. right. We don't want to be just dialing it in because we feel like we have to. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. So, so that's what we're doing. And part of it too, is I think it's, I think just like everything else is more stressful and emotionally draining. It's a lot harder to do this podcast remotely like we've been doing you know like I think we really enjoy spending time to with each other and we riff off each other and we have a lot of fun when we record yeah and we can kind of bang the episode out really quickly and it's a much more involved process doing it remotely which we're happy to do you know we definitely want to like you know make it work when we can but anyway I think everyone understands what we're saying we just need we need a little breathing room just to make sure we're putting out our best product and that we're our best selves. Yes. I love it. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yes. So yeah. So we're recording today and then we will shoot to record not this coming up Monday, but by the following Monday, we'll shoot to have an episode for you. So you can look for us every couple of weeks. If we feel inspired and we've got a brevet that we can throw in there or whatever, we'll absolutely do that. But, but yeah, we're just going to do our best to keep plugging along. Funny story is, I have had multiple moments since we've been in lockdown where I'm like, oh my God, that would make a great brevet. And what, what better time than now? And then I hit some type of roadblock it, yeah. internally. Yeah. Um, none of it makes sense. Right. Sure. Uh, um, but, but, but our emotions don't live in a place of logic. So whatever yeah. that is. Uh, so yeah, so sometimes when I'm feeling okay, we might 
bang out a breve. I have so many ideas that have come to me. Well, good. Um, yeah. Write those ideas down because I don't know what those ideas are. <laughs> I have written a few down. Okay, good. With pen and paper. Oh, good. In a notebook, like on, on a yeah. paper that was made from a tree. Right. With a pen in my hand and my hand moves and writes on it. That's amazing. <laughs> it's wild. Should we take a break and then finish? Yes. So let's episode? take a break and then let's jump into our Q&A and talk about some cues for our A's. Uh, some, some, some quants for asses. Quant? Quants? Quant, like cunt. Oh, okay. That's what that was. Okay. I didn't quite get that. Okay. Okay, Word let's play. What? Bye. Bye. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. Great. Um, I think it's really funny that in our last kind of section, we were talking about, um, you know, we really want to be making our best work and blah, blah, blah. And then as, as I was waiting for the segment to process, I was reminded how last week I uploaded the podcast without the last segment <laughs> attached. <laughs> So the podcast just podcast just like randomly cut off. But that's it, kind of what we're referring to. Exactly. <laughs> and then people messaged and were like, uh, I think we're missing something. And so then uh, I had to go re-upload it. But by then, like if your podcast reader has already downloaded it, you have to like delete it and then re-download it anyway. See, Jane was like, so that episode ended abruptly. <laughs> And we were like, huh? We're like, we're so sorry. So anyway, so yes, we are doing our best work and living our best lives. So for those of you who didn't listen to the previous episode or you're listening to us for the first time, this is a part two of a Q&A. We thought it would be fun to have people send us questions. We told them, them, we told our Instagram followers that they could send in questions of any kind. They could be as silly as you wanted they could be as personal as you wanted right um and so we got to uh, half of them or more last time yeah but we had so many good ones we (sighs) wanted to do more yes so here we go here we go opinion on sex education in the lds community or lack thereof okay why does the church think they can defy the nature of sex? Ooh, the, the first part is easier to answer. The second part, that's a heavy, that's a Wait, heavy one. What, what do you say to the first part then? Well, I just think, I mean, well, did you have, what kind of sex education did you have as a kid? Uh, other than a couple of very awkward talks with my mom and things I heard from friends, uh, I didn't. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I was very much the same. We, I grew up in a family with a lot of kids. Um, Apparently, and I didn't even know this until I was older, my parents had bought a book for my oldest brother, some sort of, I'm sure it was LDS, but some sort of book about sex and bodies and whatever. And then sort of the expectation was the rest of us would just like find that book (laughs) and then like read it on our own or something. Um, And... And if we ever give, you know, whenever we would give our parents shit about this later in life, they would be like, well, we were always open to answer whatever questions you guys had. Oh, oh, and okay. we were like, yeah, it doesn't. 
<laughs> when you're like 12, it doesn't work that way. Like you're not jumping in with a bunch of questions. No. Um, so I learned everything from the Encyclopedia Britannica. I feel like we've talked about that on this show before. <laughs> I don't remember that. It was actually the, I'm sorry, it was the World Book Encyclopedia. We had the big oh. blue encyclopedia sack. And I remember looking up, I remember looking up sex. And I remember looking up, I remember there were two, two things that talked about it. One was sex and one was intercourse or something. And one was much more scientific. And, you know, the sex one was a little bit more emotional or whatever. So Wait. I really... Wait, intercourse was scientific and sex was emotional? Well, it's not, I don't want to say emotional, but sex, like intercourse more talked about it. Like the penis goes in the vagina, you know, the sperm come out. Like it was very just sort of like, like uh, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Like okay, this is how oh, it happens. Okay, okay, okay. And the chapter, <laughs> the sex section in the S world book encyclopedia <laughs> was a little bit more about like pleasure and about like, you know, just a little bit more about sex as an act and not just about the exchange of bodily fluids of intercourse, you know. But again, I mean, both very vague and, you know, anyway. Right. Um, I really think, I think, I mean, my theory about it, because I don't think that we're unique in that regards. And, and maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe parents nowadays are doing a better job. I mean, <clears throat> hopefully they are, whether they're LDS or not. But I think that because sex and nudity are viewed as like, quote unquote, pornography, then then we then people don't want to talk about that. Because if we're talking about nudity or bodies, like bodies are dirty and gross and shouldn't be talked about, you know? Yeah. And I think there's a, a little bit of a feeling of like, if we don't talk about it or like if our kids never have exposure to it then they'll be safe and protected. Not that they'll stumble across it on their own or they'll, you know, like if we never mention that porn exists to our children, then they'll never, then we never have to worry about them looking at it, which is insane, you yeah. know? So anyway. Um, <clears throat> the, the second part of the question, why does the church think they can def defy the nature of sex? Um, I think that for some, they, that works. That, that it works on some. What you do you know, mean? Uh, meaning the things that they drill into our heads, which is you can't do that, like, say, cunnilingus or fellatio. Uh -huh. um, although that's kind of more of an unwritten rule. Yeah. Um, or uh, just the, the way the law of chastity is presented as second to murder. Yeah. I think that is the avenue they take to try to defy what we feel in ourselves naturally. Right, right. Yeah. So well, and I when think... You... Go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, so when you're a believing Mormon and you hear something like that, that fornication is second to murder, um as far as the sins go, um, the fear that that instills in you is, is the tool that they use. And yes. I have talked to many, especially women, yeah, who will say, oh, no, we can't do that. That's wrong. When they're in the bedroom with their husband. Right. Um, or... Um, 
people becoming people waiting until marriage to have sex. And I was one of those. Um, and then becoming very complacent. Don't you want to ask me if I waited until <laughs> marriage to have sex? Brother Coffee, did you wait until marriage to have oh, sex? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, don't, I, bear, I don't even have sex now. <laughs> I'm waiting for marriage again to have sex. <laughs> um, but you become very complacent with your vanilla sex life. And, and vanilla, in, in some countries, is a really exquisite flavor not in america so so <laughs> you could even say uh, water flavored um sex life you become complacent with it and it doesn't occur to you that there are more pleasurable things that exist that you could have that you could try that you could do you know including you know uh, part of that would include getting a divorce which you know as i as i believe everyone should do Right. Um, and so uh anyway, I just think that it, it's the I think that the programming is that heavy. I think that that lie that you can somehow override people's sexual nature through religion is the lie that Mormonism tells about everything. You know, it's that and it's the lie that every Mormon tells every day. You know, no one yes. in the Mormon church talks about you know, their faith struggle or talks about the fact that they hate reading the Book of Mormon and it's boring or the fact that when they kneel down to pray, they don't know what to say and they feel stupid or, you know, you're not allowed to talk about those things. You're you are just supposed to put forth the 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 bright and shiny face that you're doing everything right and you're reading your scriptures and you're fasting and you're praying and you're paying your tithing and you're living a happy, wonderful life, even though literally not a single person in Mormonism is, is doing that. And so I think it's the same idea with sex. You can just say like, oh, of course, if we teach our children not to have sex before marriage and not to masturbate, not to do these things, they won't do it. But it's the same lie that they tell about everything, you know? And yeah. and sure, there are some kids that live the law of chastity their whole life and get married and have one partner and whatever. But like, but it's not, it it's not the default that works for everybody. So um, yeah, so that's what I think. Next question. Okay, next question is <clears throat> opinion about the pressure of LDS women to get married, have kids and stay home instead of gaining a career. Pure disaster for loss of identity. Also, mental health of the stay-at-home parent role is never discussed. And this person who submitted the question said, I speak from experience because I am living this now and wish I could have done things differently. Okay. I feel like you should you should take that one first. So, um, you know, remember when we had Cindy on the show for the first time? Uh-huh. And um, she said something akin to, I won't say it perfectly, but in the Mormon church, we have daughters in order to teach them to become mothers and have their own daughters. Right. And then they have daughters. Right. And he's those daughter, and she said, and it's just a bleak, cyclical existence. Yeah. yeah. Um. And, and I I couldn't agree more because, um, not all of us women are cut out to just make our lives about our children. 
Right. It's just, I, it's just not in all of our DNA. Right. Um, so, um, the pressure to get married, have kids stay home instead of gaining a career. Um, when women aren't pressured to do that. Okay. And they go out and, and, and decide to postpone marriage or postpone children and really pursue career and interests and travel and stuff like that. They're either not going to settle down and have kids or gaining a career and education and traveling and experiencing life, even with the, within the confines of, of, of the religion, they're going to realize how rich their lives are and how powerful they are as a woman. Right. And so, and that's terrifying to the LDS church. That would be a disaster for the church, for the church. Right. You know, for the, for a lack of a better way to put it, a disaster for, um, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. Right. For Mormonism. Well, I know. Um, I think it would be catastrophic if if women in Mormonism realized their (laughs) strength and realized their power and and realized that they don't have to listen to what these old men tell them. And, you know, that would be disastrous for the church. It it uproots everything that the church is built on. And so and therefore would destroy the church from the inside. And I don't know that there's. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that it's as insidious as that. I don't know that there's someone at the top that's saying, like, we've got to make sure these women have babies because otherwise they'll destroy us. But I do think, (laughs) but I do think, like, subconsciously, it's that idea of, like, we all have our roles to play and that's your role to play. And our role to play is to lead and to govern and to be in charge. And so if we allowed women to lead and govern and be in charge, it would tear the whole thing apart. And imagine, imagine a, a woman who does marry and start a family, a Mormon woman, and does pursue a career. She's probably going to have lots of guilt. She'll pursue it, but she'll have some guilt that she'll try to squash down, tamp down. And, and that guilt is a great motivator to just do everything else the best that she possibly can within the confines of the church. Right. Um, But truly the, the biggest part of it for me is if women don't realize the power that they have in the world community, um, which is easy for them to realize if they're staying at home and changing diapers yeah, and driving here and there and everywhere with the kids and school and activities and stuff, they're not going to realize how powerful they are and how much they could contribute to the world community. And um, they're going to be exactly what the church wants them to be. So um, as far as the mental health part, which is huge, I went on medication after I gave birth to my second child. Um, And that was, uh, oh no, I was pregnant with my second child. Um, I was 22 or 23 at that point. And um, you, the whole like self-care and me time 
rhetoric didn't really start until about 10, maybe 15 years ago, if yeah. we're if we're being generous. And, you know, that's all well and good and important. But the church will repeatedly teach you that it's living the gospel that replenishes you. Right. I think what it, what it boils down to for me is that, like, we should just allow people to make choices for their own lives, you know? And if you want to be a mother and that is really fulfilling to you, or you want to be a father and that's really fulfilling to you, great, then you should do that. If you don't want to be a mother or a father, or if you don't ever want to get married, or if you want to get married, but never have kids, or if you want to, you know, have a partner that, that you never marry and never, you know, whatever, like whatever floats your boat is what you should do, you know? And I think the depression and the mental health and the, all of that stuff comes into play when we try to, I mean, depression and mental health issues come for, for a lot of reasons. But I think one of the reasons is when, when we try to make people live the life, like live lives that they don't want to live, you know, try to make them do things that they don't want to do. And I think what I loved about what's that thing that Cindy said that you brought up, like that has changed the way that I talk to my own children about families, you know, because I think, I think I just grew up talking about, you know that there was an assumption in my family growing up that all of us would have kids and that so that and that all of us would get married and so we just talked that way and I have been very conscious of that um with my kids in regards to sexuality because I try to I for a lot like when I when I came out and whatever I tried to be very conscious about not saying like well when you have a wife to my sons yeah, you know like yeah. not making assumptions about who they marry but I hadn't really thought about the kids part of it either and now I'm very conscious of that, that I say to my kids, like, well, if you ever have kids or, you know, if you decide to have kids instead of when you have kids, because I don't want to make that assumption for them. They may grow up and decide that they don't want to have kids. And, I, and right. that is a, is a completely valid, wonderful decision to me. Yes. 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 Yeah. I do. I'm the same with my kids. Um, but to the person who asked the question, who said that she is in this place right now um find who you are as an authentic person yourself who you are authentically uh-huh and honor it and embrace it and if you can do that I think that that will bleed into the rest of your life and what you are doing, which feels, you may feel trapped. You may feel stuck. You may just, you may love your kids to death, but being a mom is not fulfilling to you or whatever it is that's causing your um, mental and emotional distress. If you can gain some sense of self and self-actualization and live authentically to who you are. I think that that is the key to the rest falling into place. And also um, I would highly, highly recommend listening to the Brene Brown podcast episode that she did with Glennon Doyle. Yeah. That whole book. I, I could do a whole brevet. Maybe I'll do a brevet on that book. Have you, have you read it? Glennon Doyle's new book. Not untamed yet. Full. Not yet. It is. It is brutal. <laughs> it is like sometimes I have to stop reading because I'm just like, okay, well, I feel attacked. 
Um, <laughs> it's intense. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's take, take a little break. break. Okay. And then let's get into more some more cues for our A's. <laughs> some quants. Okay. Hey. Hey. Welcome back. Hey. Welcome. Okay. Moving on. What other quaints do you have for our ain'ts? <laughs> um, let's see. Um, a sex question. Okay. I've been married to a Mormon man for eight years. I'm getting divorced this year and this person is really anxious about their lack of sexual experience. Um, they want to know about deep throating without embarrassing herself. Um, her sex life with husband was vanilla or water flavored. Right. Um, was American vanilla flavored. <laughs> I'm going to um, let you feel this one because I also have anxiety about being inexperienced in the bedroom. So <laughs> Um, I completely echo that because, um, after my divorce from my gay husband, I literally Googled things on the internet, like what devolvas look like. I mean, I knew what mine looked like, but you know, uh, what, what do penises look like? I wanted to know the varieties. Um, I Googled all kinds of positions and, and I told a friend of mine, that I was doing all of this and she was like good for you but also when you're with someone and there's especially if there's chemistry um good chemistry that is um you kind of like just kind of figure out positions on your own um and she was exactly right um I didn't need to have to be like um sex kitten educated before I delved into that. I didn't. Sex, um, kitchen, sex kitten it, educated is the name of this it, segment. <laughs> not that it hurt um to do some, you know, research and looking at porn for the first time. Um not that that's required. Not that you have to look at porn. But but you should if you feel comfortable looking at porn. Like I don't wanna I don't wanna minimize because I know, you know, a lot of people don't have a healthy relationship with porn or or have, you know, kind of associations with porn. But I think looking at porn and recognizing it is what it is, like recognizing that it's a fantasy and that, you know, actual sex doesn't look that way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think it can give you some ideas, you know, yeah. or or kind of help you feel comfortable with terminology or you know whatever like it just can it can make things a little smoother it can it can um also i would say a good uh so if uh, if 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 she is a cis hetero woman and i'm assuming that um and looking to date uh men uh even male identifying um, I can, I can confidently tell her that the man that you are with is going to flip you around in whatever position 
that he's feeling at the moment. You will find that you either just like that and will just go with the flow. Or you will discover that you want to be the one who's flipping, doing the flipping around. Sure, sure. Um, it's all um, a very vulnerable game of exploration. <laughs> I will I will say, too, and I don't know where this gentle listener lives or, you know, whatever. But if you are in a place where there are a lot of post, a lot of Mormons and therefore a lot of post-Mormons, I think sometimes the post-Mormon community is is like a lot of 16 year olds because it's a lot of people in that same boat that didn't get to explore and be wild and crazy in their teen years and then are doing that in their forties. And so, you know, you, you may find other people in kind of a similar situation or that feel kind of the same way that, and that might make you feel more comfortable because you're like, Oh, they're, you know, he only was, or she or whoever was only divorced recently too. And so this is kind of new for both of us. So. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and you will oftentimes find yourself with a sexual partner who has a different breadth of sexual experience than you, either more, less, depending on where you are in your dating life, life love life, sex life. Um, and that's okay. It doesn't mean you're going to be incompatible by any means. I think there's other things that make people incompatible right. sexually. Right. Um, but I would say my best advice would be to do what makes you feel confident. Um, and if that's researching things on the internet, if it's watching porn, if it's getting some cute undies, um, the cute undies things, I have to say, that's about you feeling confident because he don't give a shit. Yeah. He going to take them off. Right. <laughs> and he just wants the puzzah. The pussy, the ass, the tits, you know. Um, anyways, um, so, uh, and then the deep-throating part. So, without embarrassing yourself, I think that it is okay to just accept that if deep-throating is something you're going to try, that you probably will feel a little embarrassed. And you will make some gagging sounds. Word on the street is the dude loves that. The dude loves it when you're deep throating and you, he hears you gag because that makes him feel like he's a big boy. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, he, in fact, would prefer to hear you gag. Um, but my advice, technically speaking, would be to just approach it slowly and don't feel like you have to um, fuck his dick with your mouth you know, like undulating, like in and out, in and out, back and forth, back and forth. It can be slow. It can be sensual. You can feel the head of it hit the back of your throat one time and that's all he gets. And that's just fine. Or you could just not deep throat at all. Because the thing is, is he just wants your mouth and your tongue on his dick and probably doesn't care too much about the deep throating. It's more of a romanticized part of sex i think yeah for lack of a better word yeah okay okay next question next question um so this is really interesting um 
I've always wondered if other religions or cultures force their members to stay in their childhood churches once they grow up and are adults. Did we? We did talk about this one on the last one. No, I don't think we did. I think we did, yes, because I talked about how my grandmother was Pentecostal and my grandfather was Methodist. Do you remember that at all? No. You were super duper I was drunk. very drunk, so that is... It's possible, okay. yeah. So to this listener, I'm fairly certain we covered it. If we, in fact, did not, then DMS and and we will um, answer that question in, in direct messages. I will say, speaking of that, have you watched the show Unorthodox on Netflix yet? No, Ooh. but I hear it's great. Oh my god! It's <laughs> so it's a four part show so and each episode's uh-huh. about an hour long um and it's i guess it's based on a memoir that a woman wrote called unorthodox and it's it's basically about a girl that it, that lives in new york and is part of a very very orthodox jewish community you know this is where they still speak yiddish and the women cover their hair and you know it's the whole it's the i think the kind of the most orthodox you can be and and so she gets married and she's very young and of course it's an arranged marriage you know there's a matchmaker like all the things and then and the and the series kind of starts with her running away from this this orthodox community and then kind of jumps back and forth in time between her after she's left and and is kind of trying to figure things out and then and then her in the community when she was getting prepared to be married and everything it's so good. It is kind of traumatizing to watch. I think for anyone who grew up in a in a strong religious tradition, uh, like we did, mm-hmm. the there there's an episode that deals a lot with sex and with with the sex within her marriage. You know, her arranged marriage with this you know man that she's not in love with and isn't you know, <clears throat> and it's was very traumatic, <laughs> very traumatic for me to watch. Um, so anyway, it's it's super oh. interesting, but I think like I think any religious tradition that is that that has the kind of belief that that you're the only thing that's true and right, I think is similar to the LDS church in that way where you don't ever want to let your kids leave because if your church is the only true and right church, then if your kids leave they're going to go to hell or you know or whatever your religion teaches. So, but anyway, sure. it's a super interesting examination of that and I think as an LDS person or as a former LDS person, if that's who you are, when you watch, you'll be like, you see a lot of parallels with like, oh, yeah, this is like the temple ceremony. And this is like, oh, you know, this is like, you know, <clears throat> how we treat young people in the church. And, the, you know, anyway, it's super interesting. It's yeah. what and the performances are outstanding. Like every person oh in it is so good. I'm going to start it tonight. I have tried to get back into breaking bad i've watched two episodes now it's just too heavy for me right now and i know it's arguably the best have you never watched it so are you just in the first season yeah i will say and i and i remember saying this to people when kind of breaking bad was a big phenomenon and people were like oh i tried it i couldn't watch it it's so dark the first season is so dark and then it and then that goes away. I mean, it's it's still a dark story. It's always a dark story. But the sure. first season is so much heavier and so much more difficult to watch. And the later seasons, I don't want to say are lighthearted, but there's a certain like levity to the story, the way the story is told. 
So okay. the first season, a little bit, you have to just kind of power through if you want to. I mean, if you, you know, sure. like life's too short to watch TV shows you don't like. But if yeah. if you can get through the first season, then I think the other seasons, just you'll just burn through them and you'll adore it. But you have to okay. kind of power through that first season. Okay. Yeah. I And I need something to watch that is really suck me in. Um, I'm embarrassed to say that I finished all episodes of The Witcher. Oh, God. <laughs> It's so it bad. Is probably the worst thing I've ever seen. It's so bad, and I tried so hard to watch and like it because I'm so attractive to Henry Cavill. I mean, who isn't? Like, if you're not attracted oh, to Henry Cavill, you're dead. Oh my god! Oh my. But also, god. there's that character in The Witcher that's like I don't even remember. He's like the bard or whatever. He's the one that sings the Witcher song. Yeah. And he's clearly in love with Henry Cavill. So there's even this weird like sexual tension with them in the show and even that wasn't enough i just couldn't no. <laughs> i couldn't get through it uh it was so bad and it's been approved for a second oh season, god so I, here's what i'm here's what i'm hoping and praying for with my thoughts and prayers is that someone at netflix saw what shit it was fired everybody not the actors right but you know, uh, the directors and writers hired a whole new crew and they're going to make the second season look like we won't even recognize that it's The Witcher because it'll be so much better. I think that's not going to happen. But <laughs> my easier solution to get people to watch it is just more nudity. Like if Henry Cavill showed his butt every two to three episodes, I would have kept watching, you know. Or, or if the sex scenes, apparently there's been sex that's happened twice now and we don't get to see the sex. Oh, yeah. Like, we need a little Game of Thrones, like, dirty sex. It's yeah. like, did I tell you Reverse that cowgirl. I, kept, I kept watching Westworld and then finally I realized I was only watching it to see the penises. And then I was just like, I was oh. like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know who any of these people <laughs> are anymore. I just yeah. am watching to see penises. So then I just turned it off and went to Pornhub. So yeah, you did mention. Yeah. That. So mention that, that is, you know, <clears throat> that's what the Witcher needs to do anyway. I, I do want to follow up on your Westworld thought where not this last Sunday's episode, but the Sunday before that was so shit. If you're watching, it was the genre episode where Aaron Paul takes the genre drug. It was so, so bad. They came back strong with this last Sunday. And guess who made it strong? Tessa Thompson. Yeah, she's great. She kicks some fucking A. I think that this episode. I just think that show to me is another, it's one of those shows like Lost or like so many others where they had this great idea, but they didn't really know where it was going. And they try to build in this mystery, but they don't know the answer to the mystery. And so then it just feels like it meanders through and like, anyway, I can't it, get into it. It, de- it derails itself. Yeah. It folds in on itself. Yeah. Or something like, like they like needed that. to know and... what was going to happen in season three when they wrote <clears throat> season one. You know? Right. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Next question. <laughs> um, actually, that's it. Oh, those are all the questions? Yeah. Oh, no, you sent me other ones too. Um, let's take a break and then i when and we'll see and then we'll, we'll either come back and wrap it up or come back with more questions okay, okay. Bye. yo oh hi hi um, you know what it turns out sister twain 
What, Brother Coffee? It turns out the reason that I thought we hadn't talked about some of the questions <laughs> is because I was really drunk last time we recorded and don't remember talking about the questions. <laughs> but then I was like, but what about this one? What about this one? You're like, no, we talked about that. Nope, 100% <laughs> we talked about that. So, um, so we really did cover all the questions, I think. We did. So um, let's talk about drinking and then let's wrap up. How's your drinking? I can't drink too much because I don't, I don't know what it is, but I have been waking up feeling like shit. Even when I have a little bit, I don't know what's, yeah. not, what's going on. So. Yeah. Yeah. So what about um, you? I have, I would say most nights are pretty normal. You know, I'll have a drink or two drinks, which uh-huh. is, which is pretty normal for me. Um, and then there are nights where I will just have like 10 drinks and, you know, which I know <clears throat> is not healthy, which I know is not good. Um, and, and those nights are uncommon. They tend to be the nights like last night I had, was it last night? Yeah. Last night I had one because I had, um, I had dropped my kids off at Tish's house. They had been with me for a couple days and then I had dropped them off in there with her and it tends to be those nights that I come home and the kids are gone. And then I'm just like, oh, I feel like I can relax or something. And then I have like right. 72 drinks. Right. But here's the thing, too. Here's here's two things about that. Number one, I am oh. i don't get hangovers. So it's a really bad situation because I never like learn my lesson. Like I never feel terrible the next day and think, oh, I just I should never do that again. Right. It's, um, and then the other thing is. Like you said, I am sleeping like shit lately. Like I almost every night wake up at some point in the middle of the night and I'm having some sort of panic attack or have some kind of anxiety or whatever and can't go back to sleep. And the drinking for sure makes that worse. You know, like I'm much more likely to wake up in the middle of the night if I've been drinking the night before. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. But uh, but again, I'm just like, oh, well, just drink some more tomorrow. I know. Why, why not? Why not wake up at 3 a.m. and feel like shit? So anyway, uh, I have definitely been putting on weight and I know that I'm all for body positivity and I am all for if you need to eat more right now, it's okay. Right, right, right. Now is not the time to be worrying about your figure, all that. I'm, I'm totally on board with all that, but that does not mean that I am not disappointed that I'm putting on some weight. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's, there's that. <laughs> um, and uh, I also find that when I have a lot of sugar, so before pandemic, I rarely have sugar uh-huh. During pandemic. I'm having plethora of sugar daily. Uh-huh. Um, like, are you eating a lot of candy or are you baking things or where's the sugar coming from? Oh, all of the above. Okay. All of the above. Just throwing caution to the wind and enjoying myself. Yeah. Um, sugar also makes me feel like shit the next day because sugar's really, it's poison. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Delicious, (laughs) delicious poison. (laughs) It's fun. Um, and uh, as I am feeling shitty because of drinking and sugar and not liking my body right now, which isn't a, probably not a good thing to say. Sure. Uh, lower sex drive. So not as much masturbation. So no. I, I need to turn it all around. That's what I'm I, saying. Okay. So the, I feel the exact same way. Like I 
hear you on all those things about like honoring the space you're in and recognizing that this is traumatic and like you don't need to be like training for a marathon right now or whatever or thinking that you're going to get some big project done but I do think like I know that if there I know that like little tiny things that I could do that are not that difficult to do have an exponentially huge impact on my mood and my well-being and so why don't I just do those tiny things? Why are those tiny things still still so hard? Get, like the the other day I drove example. to a park and I walked around the park twice, you know, with okay. my headphones in. It was a sunny day outside, listening to music that I loved. Yeah. So it was like 30 minutes out of my day, out of my day where I literally have nothing else to do, you know? So exactly. it's not like it's not like, oh, where am I gonna squeeze this in? And it and it did wonders for my mood to be out in the sun and to get some fresh air and to like move my body instead of like carving the permanent dent that is in my couch deeper and deeper and deeper from where I spend the whole day sitting. And so then even today, you know, when I I did have some more, I had some work and some different things to do. I was like, oh, maybe I should go, um, you know, go for a walk again. Nope, can't convince myself to do it. Even though, you know, again, I know that it will make me feel better. I know that it does not take that much time, but it just feels like impossible for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's that. So no, you don't have any great advice for me on how to fix that? No, no, I don't. Okay. Okay, great. Well, all right. So anyway, so happy pandemic, everyone. <clears throat> we really ended this on a really great note. Um, so we will be back in a couple weeks and, right. and we want to get back to the, uh, Sunday night recording, publishing Monday. Yeah. Uh, and then doing that every two weeks, but guys, uh, everything's on the table right now. What you know that? what I mean? All bets are off. Okay. I think, I think those two expressions mean different things. So when you said everything's <laughs> on the table. <laughs> everything's on the table kind of means like all of our options are open we can do whatever we want you know like sky's the limit kind of right thing. and then all bets are off kind of means like this is what we're hoping but we make no promises it, it, but both apply don't they i just i don't think so but <laughs> but whatever well that sounds like alb- albiism Oh, yeah. Albiism again. <laughs> so, yeah. So that okay. is our goal and our plan. And and I mean, I don't think it's incorrect to say like we feel or okay, I'll just speak for myself. I feel a sense of responsibility to you, the listeners. Like I feel guilty when I don't record something and I and I know people are waiting and I know people want something. And I think when sister Twain said, I think we need to take a break or I think we need to slow things down. And, and the thing that did it for me was when she said, like, we just, you know, we just need to have great ideas again and be creative. And, you know, so yeah, we, we, we really love doing this and producing this and making this for all you all. We just want to be able to give you something that's worth your while, you know, and if we're in weird head spaces and we're trying to force it, you know, it's not going to be that. So anyway. Right. And we don't want to do that just for yeah. the sake of, of being on a weekly schedule. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so sky's the limit. All bets are off. All the Everything. cards are on the table. <laughs> the buckets are in the well. <laughs> and hopefully we'll be back next Monday. She'll be coming around the corner. When she comes. Um, <laughs> please follow us on Instagram instagram uh just said hot drinks 
Um, and that's a great place to get in touch with us or one of my cats is doing something really weird right now. Anyway, that's a great place to get in touch with us. And maybe we'll post some things there. We don't know. Um, we, maybe we won't. <laughs> also Twitter. And we have an email called hot drinks for the belly at gmail.com. That's true. And we do love, we do love hearing from you young gentle listeners. So anyway, stay safe. Keep social distancing, even though people are already starting to relax their stuff. Wear your masks, wear your gloves. Be safe. When you said relax your stuff, I just thought of a a flaccid penis. Everyone's starting to relax their flaccid penises. Well, I mean, that's redundant, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. All All bets are off. Okay. (laughs) Okay.